Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey, where we aim to bring compelling tennis stories to life. As you're listening today, it'd be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow, if you haven't already. It's free, you know. Um, today we are talking to tennis coaches who went to meet the dragons in the dragon's den, who presented their idea, who got offers from multiple dragons and who eventually got back in for their tennis holiday business from a tennis mad dragon, who said that when they accepted his offer, it felt like he'd just beaten Nadal at Wimbledon. And today we're going to find out all about their adventures since that high-profile TV appearance. Find out what impact it had, what they've learned, and if their passion for tennis burns as bright as ever. So welcome to the show, Matt Allen and Steve Davis from Active Away. Hey Rob, how are you doing? Very good. Good to see you, Matt, and welcome, Steve. Hi Rob. Hi. I should start by saying, you know, that before that night in 2016, which shot these guys to stardom. I knew Matt and Steve because they're very much part of the Derbyshire tennis community that I'm so passionate about. Although I think it's fair to say you're quite a long way from Derbyshire now, aren't you, fellas? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm living in Portugal now in the Algarve. And Matt's, well, you can tell them that. Well, I've, I've opted for the Italian Alps. So living up in a, in a remote little ski resort. So yeah, quite, quite away from Derbyshire, but still got Still got a lot of roots back there. Come on. And I just love these adventures that the guests, you know, a lot of our guests have been from Derbyshire. Just the adventures that they've had have been fantastic. Can't wait to hear about all yours. Now, I mean, to start with, though, guys, I mean, I know you're really close, but how, how did you meet and, and what was the road to establishing Active Away? <laughs> right, shall, I, shall I touch on how we met, Stevie? And then you, I guess you can take on the, uh, the Active Away road because yeah. I've, got, I've got quite quite distinct memories of how we met. Um, so I was 17 at the time. I was coaching at Attenborough Tennis Club in, um, in Nottingham. And this, this guy rocked up in a uh, souped up Peugeot 205 with a big, big body kit on it. And, and, he, and to be fair, he looked about 18. So I thought, I was like, who's, who's this guy? And Steve was at the time, which I didn't know, was the C, uh, CPO at, at Knott's. Um, and was sort of doing this role coming around to clubs and working with the players and stuff. So uh, I was I was a bit like, oh, I want to get to know this guy. He looks quite cool. Little did I know he, he wasn't. But <laughs> um, So, yeah, that was the fir first meeting was at Attenborough, him coaching uh, one of my coach's players um, and sort of got to know him and, and found out from, from Steve later on that he was about to take on the, the role as rackets manager at, at David Lloyd in Derby. Um, and effectively offered me a, a job over there pretty much <laughs> without really seeing much if I'm honest <laughs> um yeah so that was the, that was my that was my memories of our, our first meeting and it, oh god yeah 20 23 years ago now the funny thing is Rob Matt says without seeing much uh but I saw this young lad who absolutely loved tennis and wanted to go places in tennis. I saw it straight away in him, and it reminded me he was he was ten years younger than me, and that's what I was the same as him. We're we're not the best players. We're we're you know sort of fringe of county players really. And yeah, I look back and I just saw this lad that was so passionate, and I just thought I want him. He'll he'll, he'll do really well at the club. 
Um, so that's what I saw, Matt, actually. Hey, I love that. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. And there was obviously a bit of a spark between the pair of you. And, and I mean, I think so much I was, I was chatting to someone about this the other day is if you can become really, really good mates with someone, if you really, really care about them, I think it's the basis for a brilliant working relationship because ultimately your friends, you'll do anything for your friends, you know? And, mm. and, and there's no reason why workmates can't become your really close friends, huh? Yeah, that's true. Um, weirdly, working for David Lloyd, I would say, I mean, look, we've, working for David Lloyd was very, very easy. And, oh man, we have so many stories, so many stories of working at David Lloyd Derby in the early days when it was owned by Whitbread. Um, yeah, and we just had a, an amazing time. We had an amazing team. I got together a really diverse group of coaches uh, um, and, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, and Matt was in the junior setup, and um, yeah, I mean, and, and he he sort of came along and he did a great job. And and we did have quite a few occasions, dare I say it, because he was young, where let's say he didn't always turn up on time. Um, you know, he turned up late, and I had to have him in the office quite a few times and sort of say to him, look, you know, if this carries on, you, you know, you're not going to be working here anymore, um, which was quite difficult to say to him because I really liked him. Yeah, I had to explain that it was work and, you know, you couldn't do that. You couldn't turn up 10 minutes late Saturday morning because you'd been out the night before. Um, but yeah, he, he, he did He did knuckle down actually um, and, and ended up being one of the better coaches at David Lloyd Derby. And um, yeah, and we, we became really close, didn't we, Matt, at Derby, you'd say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were. I was also um, renting a room off you at the time, so it became even harder when you were sort of threatening me with the with the sack when I wasn't able to pay your rent anymore. But, uh, <laughs> with the sack and eviction, it's like yeah, yeah. you're going to get the sack and you're leaving the house. The end. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been a very different story. <laughs> Rob, Rob, the word rent, I'm not sure Matt understands actually. <laughs> Rent is when you actually pay to live somewhere. Uh, it's not more like, oh, I can't make my money this week. I'll, I'll give it you next week sort of thing. You know, that, that generally is what happened. So, so it wouldn't have been the world's biggest loss if I, I would have kept him there, got rid of him, and he couldn't pay me because he wasn't really paying me that much anyway, if I remember right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. Come on, but from this time, I mean, did you always – I mean – were you entrepreneur? Were you always entrepreneurial, even within what you know? Whitbread owned a big business; it was a big time. But were you always dreaming of ideas of other things of of where you were you were going to head? For, for me, I was I was always reasonably entrepreneurial and and was looking for different options. But I was also, for me personally, from like fifteen onwards, I was so set on coaching and where I wanted to go with coaching and developing the next well who was it at the time, the next Tim Hemman or, you know, the next Wimbledon champion. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so I guess within that, there's an entrepreneurial elements to, to coaching as well. Um, but I think Steve, I mean, Steve, you can tell you about his, but he, he's definitely had more of a kind of entrepreneurial um, start to, to his coaching as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was exactly the same as Matt. When I started out, you've got to remember I'm 10 years older, so 10 years further ahead in my journey. And I 100% wanted to produce the next Wimbledon champion, had loads of performance players. I originally came from Staffordshire. 
but I also have three of the coaches working for me uh, from an early age. I own my own racket shop where, and, uh, and I had my own school of tennis where we, we did at the time mini tennis in 20 schools. Uh, we had 500 kids playing mini tennis at, at, at the schools. And, and so it, it, that was, you know, there was some, I was being entrepreneurial, but at the same time, picking the best kids out and training them. And yeah, and, and, and my passion was really ultimately wasn't just about making money. It was to try and get the, the produce the best players. And, and I did at the time I had the majority of the county players in Staffordshire were individually coached by me or our team. So yeah. And then, and then I carried on my dream by becoming the, the county performance officer for Nottinghamshire. But weirdly in that year, I just felt that role was completely wrong at the time. I felt like I was stealing other people's players I, and I, and I didn't like that. That wasn't me. I wanted to produce my own players. And I was given these other players where I could see they were doing a good job with the coach that they were with, really. And David Lloyd set up a good friend who I'd made, A.D. Morgan, uh, was the manager at the David Lloyd in Derby. And then Nottingham set up and he said, look, I'll, I'll, I'll get you an interview for the Derby one. And then that was it. I, I sort of joined the big corporate uh, that is David Lloyd Leisure. And that was a new chapter for me, working for a corporate as opposed to working for myself. Yeah. Um, so I've sort of been on both scales I have. I've worked for myself and, and done that. I've then worked for the LTA and then I've worked for the big corporate. And I have to say the nine years I spent at David Lloyd, I thoroughly enjoyed and I also learned a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a long chapter that you guys had at David Lloyd Derby. What, what led to this, the spark of thinking the time's right to move to a new chapter, that new chapter being active away. How did that come about? Well, that was me really, because um, I set up active away and left David Lloyd. Um, well, Matt came and came and went, but I, when he was still there, I actually left to, to sort of start active away. And Matt, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he wasn't, you know, at the time it was nothing. So was, I didn't have a position or anything to offer him. So I did that. Was it three and a half or four years, Matt? I think three. I think three. Yeah, just, I joined two thousand nine. So you yeah, said I think it was three and a half years, if I'm right. Um, and later, I, the business looked like it was going to work quite well. I looked like I was getting some good bookings. I'd worked tirelessly for three years trying to trying to get some. Um, well, just trying to get people involved. And holidays started. You just had the ash cloud. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, which which was nearly the end of Active Away before it had really got off the ground. You know, the ash cloud. I, I've got a group of 36 people flying out to Crete, which, you know, all their flights were paid for, the hotel was paid for. And then, you know, you hear that the ash cloud's starting. And by the way, they can't go. And then the hotel's not going to give me my money back. I have to give all my clients their money back. I'd mortgaged my house oh. to, to put a bond in place so I was going to lose, I think, about 25, 30 grand uh, with the ash cloud. And that would have just been, OK, I can't do this business. Uh, lucky enough, Willie Walsh, who was the BA uh, chairman, he um, got a 767 and threw it, flew it straight through the ash cloud because, you know, he was sick of everyone saying flights were to be grounded, proved it was safe. And the very next day, the day that my clients were due to fly, everything was opened and my flights were all on. And I got the holiday away. 
So it was literally, it was 24 hours, 24 hours of active away. I don't think I would have done it. I wouldn't have carried on it, you know, to lose 30,000 pounds, which would have been straight on my mortgage. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. So. You, you got it right. you, if, I don't suppose you ever got in touch with Willie and said, Maybe. <laughs> but you, you know should what? do, you know. You're right. I, I wanted to sort of, sort of reach out to him. I've always thought and one day, maybe I, I thought I might bump into him somewhere being in the industry. And I, I, I want to tell him that story because I was the day you would not believe the euphoria I felt when he did what he did. And, and obviously he, he needed to do it because BA, everyone was grounded. You know, all the flights in the UK were grounded. They were losing millions you know, me, you know, I was due to lose 30,000, which is nothing. But in the grand scheme of thing, it was my livelihood. And yeah, it was my dream would have been shattered. So, yeah, I owe him a lot. Definitely. Um, Willie, if yeah. Willie's listening, I think, I don't know if he's not, he's on Twitter or LinkedIn or any of these, but let's try and get him a, a clip of this. Willie, top man. I will buy that man a beer. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and tell him that story. And that's an unusual occurrence. <laughs> 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 come on come on so i mean matt how i mean tell us your story how did you then get i'm sure you guys kept in touch i know you're close but how did you join the party so um i mean i i steve said i sort of left david lloyd came back i actually left with um another derbyshire tennis legend dave barnes um yeah. who i think i think actually was discovered by by steve as well actually yeah. um one of my coaches I believe in a supermarket of all places, but um, anyway, so I, I I I ended up going with Dave. We took we were coaching quite a lot of the Derbyshire County Juniors, certainly under under twelves at that point, and we took him over to Long Eaton to the uh, to to the college over there. Um, I ended up going back to David Lloyd as the junior rackets manager because Steve's job kind of got split in half. Um, so when he was in the early days of setting up Active Eight, he was doing Active Away, but still doing the. The adult, uh, the adult pro role at the club for the first year. So I went back as the junior pro. Loved it. Enjoyed that. Um, and then I kind of got offered my my dream gig, really, which was um, working at the LTA um, alongside Andy Barnes. Um, Rob Briggs eventually ended up coming into that role as well. So it was, it was like a talent, talent performance coordinator, as it was called then. Effectively, it was a very similar role to what Steve was doing as the CPO years before, um, but in a different format and, and not going and coaching players and, and doing all the talent ID stuff, which which I loved and was getting to work and train, you know, regional training camps with some of the best kids in the country. It was it was brilliant. Loved it. Um, and fo follow, funny enough, following the Ash Cloud, he came, Steve came back in June and I remember sat at his house in, um, in Derby and he said, look, do you want to get involved? I think you'd be really good. Um, he you didn't then did say you're a little bit overweight. You look like you've just sat in the car. <laughs> you're, you're driving loads of miles. Do you need some exercise? He didn't tell me at the time that the business had nearly just gone bust because of an ash cloud, but <laughs> he kept that bit quiet. Um, and it's been an incredible, incredible journey. Lots, lots of ups and, and, and lots of downs as well um but it, it's been you know it's been a journey so yeah and how and i mean you know i know you guys were doing well the, the business was growing how did the idea as a seed of an idea to go on on dragon's den how did that come about and whose idea was it and how did you take it forward 
Um, well, I think we've always spoken, Matt and I. I mean, every we 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 were going through the years. So, um, you know, we I started in two thousand and six. Matt joined in two thousand and nine, and sort of had we'd had every year we kept improving and growing, but not nowhere near to the point where we were making really good money. And we we did want to make good money. You know, we 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 hadn't even got to the point where we were earning more than what we were earning before as I was a rackets manager he was working with the LTA but we had this lifestyle and we we had a business that was worth something uh but every year something happened we had the, the ash cloud happened before Matt joined and then when Matt joined we were big in Turkey and Turkey had a military coup and literally you've got all these bookings for Turkey and overnight everything's cancelled and it's like a £90,000 blow to the company. So that year, we end up earning nothing, you know, and, and, and these things are so out of your control. And, and, and every year we said, next year will be the year, literally just like only falls and horses, you know, <laughs> right? That next year is going to be the year, next year is going to be the year. And then, and we keep always sitting down and saying, look, we can't carry on like this, you know, because it was, the business was growing but we weren't actually earning that much out of it. And, and we needed a way, and we couldn't afford to spend a fortune on marketing because what we're selling is a, a very, a product that is, look, there's tennis and how many people play tennis, you know, as a percentage isn't very high. Then how many people have coaching and then how many people who have coaching would actually like to go abroad on a tennis holiday with coaching, you know? So it's such a small market and trying to find those people isn't easy. Uh, and I just thought there's got to be a few easy ways. So, so I was flying back from Maribel uh, from a skiing holiday that I've done with a client. And he, he, he sat down and he said, what I, I love your business. You know, what you do is great. I'd love you to see it grow. What ideas you have? And we sat on the plane and we sort of, you know, talked over ideas. And I had two ideas that were one to go to Richard Branson's island, Necker Island, Josh Gilmore was the coach there at the time. And I thought I knew, I knew his old coach, Craig, I'd call Craig, speak to Josh and then see how much it's going to cost me to go on the Island, try and make sure I go when, when uh, Branson's there and then pitch the idea to Branson because I thought Virgin active, active away. We could be the holiday, the sports holiday company for Virgin active. That's what was crossing my mind. And, you know, th th it would fit. Um, and then the other idea I had was, well, why don't I apply to Dragon's Den, you know, and, and just offer, we're already, we're already a business that was getting close to turning over a million pounds, albeit we weren't earning a lot of money ourselves. Um, but it was a good start. And I thought that's unusual for Dragon's Den to have a business going in there that's already turning over that sort of money, because we're not a startup. However, um, you know, I, I knew that we couldn't go in and ask for a fortune. I thought, why don't I just offer them 5% of active away for a pound? That's what my original, so I landed, I got home and literally as soon as I got home, I, I, I did the um, uh, forms on the, on the BBC website um, uh, to, to apply. And I put, I'm gonna offer what a 5% of Active Away for one pound. And Active Away is turning over a million. I thought that is gonna be news to Dragon's Den. That's gonna get us straight on there. There's, there's no better, no one's ever done that. You know, people only go, on there normally my business isn't turning over anything and they, they need investment we didn't need money you see we just wanted exposure um didn't hear back for quite a while thought oh well that's fallen on deaf ears and then eventually we heard something 
Was um, quite a while, Steve. How long after the? Oh, I think it was like four months. I've yeah, not it's quite a while. Yeah, I'm not heard, and you know, and then you're just thinking, okay, you're just carrying on, aren't you? You're just getting on and doing the same old. And anyway, I I then uh, did hear. And I was like, straight on the phone to my, oh my God, oh my God. You can imagine how it is. We've got on, we're going to get on the den. We've got to do this. Uh, but they said they wanted me to value the business correctly and tell me what, the, the, so we had it valued and they said it was worth 500,000. So we asked for 25,000 for 5%. And they, I don't know why they made us do that. I, you know, they just said, that, you know, they said it's a business show. It needs to be realistic. I was thinking, well, it's still realistic, me giving them a pound because I just want the exposure and be on there. But they didn't get that angle. But in the end, we then we went for our first interview. I think it was at Manchester, wasn't it, Matt? The media studios. Um, we both went. We've got a real... I mean, whenever Matt and I coach together, people... Like, we've... we've funny enough, we've just got back from Dubai and we did a week together coaching. And... We've got a chemistry where we basically both take the piss out of each other. You know, we're backwards and forwards. We're doing that the whole time. And our clients love it because they can see it. we don't mean it, but we have this sort of banter that goes. And, and yeah, I think our clients really do love that. It's just that we don't really these days because Active Way's got so much bigger. We don't host holidays together anymore. So this this last week we did was like a great opportunity for Matt and I to get at each other. Uh, and we, I, 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 I don't know, I love it. I, I'm hoping he does too, but I, I absolutely love that, you know, where we were always taking the mickey out of each other. And um, I thoughts on that, Matt? Well, it made me really depressed, if I'm honest. It was a tough week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, the chemistry between the two of you that you have established over years of being mates, of being, of Matt being a, an employee, uh, uh, somebody where you're renting the house or Steve, all this chemistry, this time that has gone together. When you guys went onto that show, you were relaxed, you had fun with it. That chemistry really shone through, I think. You know, it, was it nerve wracking? It seemed to me like you, you guys just performed. You went out and you performed. I, I think I'm glad it came across like that. Uh, <laughs> and I think it, I think it did. But the certainly the initial bit, the, the pitch was, was was nerve wracking because you have your three minutes, you you can't you can't get it wrong. There's no do overs, um, so you've got to, you've got to nail that bit. And then also the, the numbers side of things. Well, I was I was talking about all the numbers, and you know you can't have it written down everywhere. You got to remember it. And I was pretty confident in all of that. And the, the pitch was the pit. We 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 nailed the pitch. Um, we we had some practices the the night before in the hotel room in front of the mirror, uh, which was interesting. Um, so, no, we, we got through that. And I think once what happened was actually, and the, the TV didn't structure it this way, but Peter was the first one to actually invest. And before he'd done that, he'd interrupted um, Tuka Sullivan, who was grilling me on the, on the numbers and was actually starting to make, like, fluster me a bit. And Peter went and, and lay down on the sun lounger Picked up the cocktail. We were like, uh, for two two concerns. One was we thought the sun lounger was going to collapse because we bought a cheap rubbish sun lounger. <laughs> so that was one stress. And and two, I had no idea what was in the cocktail, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't anything too tasty. So it, was, it wasn't really like laying out this kind of luxury proposition that we were putting out there to the, right. to the public. Right. 
can I just say at that point, so we did it, we did a second show called Pitches to Riches, which you can still see on uh, YouTube. But they do a they they show you that point in the den where Peter gets up and the camera it gets up and I said, Oh, and then I say, Oh, I think he just wants fancies a cocktail. And he's walking to this sun lounger, which I'd purchased the night before at B&Q or home base. And it was one of those ones with springs on, you know, the ones that, that the ones that you fold up and they have springs in the canvas. And when they when when you sit on them, they creak and you think they're going to they collapse. They've got they're renowned for collapsing. And the, the camera's on pitches to riches pictured me and my face. I just looked at the I looked at him and I was like, just shock, shock and horror. Don't. Do not sit on that. It's going to collapse. And all my head was saying at that time was Trunky, Trunky, because a few years back, Trunky had their little case and one of the dragons broke it in his hand. And they, he just said, I think it was Duncan Bannatyne. And he, and he just said, this is a dodgy, this is dodgy. And they lost the investment straight away. And I was just thinking, this is a disaster. This is a don't line it, don't line it. How the hell that sun lounger managed to take this guy's weight and he played tennis off it. I do not know, but I just know on that. If you if you ever get a chance to watch that, just watch my face, and that is horror. You know, I watched it, Steve. I watched it the other day, and I mean, <laughs> you must have been so relieved when it's not collapsed. But then he starts doing rallies with you. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that that was actually the bit that helped us relax as well, because yeah. he, you know, he said, you know, are you guys any good at this? And I, I think he just kind of thought two chumps had walked out in in tennis clothing. And actually, we you know we can both play to a pretty decent level. So Steve Steve said pretty confident. Yeah, I think we're probably better than you. I remember, uh, that. which I don't think he liked too much. Um, and and to, honestly, up until that actual point, my my leg and you couldn't see us on the TV, but my my legs were shaking, my literally shaking from like oh god. And as soon as we started hitting a few balls and having a bit of banter, everything just relaxed, and we we were in there. And again, you don't see us on the TV. That 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 bit was probably five minutes into our pitch when he went and sat on the sun, sun lounger, and the pitch lasted two and a half hours. Wow! So after that, we actually had two hours twenty five minutes of actually feeling a lot more relaxed and just chatting about the business. To be honest, yeah, it was in right. actual fact, Rob, what happened was he did the we had the rally with him on there. Tuka almost stopped grilling us, didn't he? At that yeah. point. And Peter just sat down and, and all the other dragons almost have a sort of, he's got an air of power Peter has that the, the other dragons don't have quite the same uh, power as him. And he just sat down and um, he, he just, and then he just started talking and he just said, literally at that point, we're talking 10 minutes into the pitch now, he leaned forwards on his chair and he went, guys, I love it. Literally, those are his words, guys, I love it. And then he leaned forwards in his chair and, and he just looked down at the dragons and he said, by the way, dragons, this is not for sharing. Because you know how they share sometimes and they go in together. He just said, and, um, and I'm going to make you guys an offer. And I just remember Matt's face. I looked at Matt. <laughs> and I've got to laugh because his face was just like, it was, it was literally the moment on Only Fools and Horses when Dell looked at Rodney and he and he passed out when the watch sold in uh, was it Sotheby's yeah. auction and he just fainted. I, I was waiting for Matt just to do that faint because he was his face he pulled. 
and yeah, that was that was where we're at. And the thing, the thing is, we got in with no expectations, though. We we didn't think we were we genuinely didn't think we were going to get any offers. So yeah. you know, we we thought they're going to say we've watched enough Dragons Den for them to go, oh, it's a nice business, it's not that scalable, blah 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 blah, and that's what we were expecting. And then for this to happen in ten minutes, or yeah. like. What? Hang on. That's not meant to be happening. He broke the ice, didn't he? Because who knows where it would have gone? You know, like interventions. We talked about Willie's intervention earlier from a BA point of view. Peter probably realised the way that that questioning was going and thought, I'm going to break the ice here. I'm not having that. And he, and he changed the entire experience that you guys had by going onto the dodgy sun lounger yeah. doing the rallying and Totally. It was, and it changed the experience. So from that point, was it always Peter for you? I know the other guys came in with offers, didn't they? But was it always Peter? We had three yeah, chats at the okay. back. We did the old, the old classic walk to the back of the the den and have a chat. Um, and I think we'd 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 wanted Peter. Peter's the biggest name. He's going to draw the most sort of publicity around it, and he loves tennis. So we were like, it's a it's a good fit for us. Um, I just kind of remember going back for the third time of deciding because the other dragons were coming in with better offers and all this sort of stuff and the third time we got back to the wall i just said to steve i said i'll be honest i'm mate, i'm i'm shattered he just said mate just you do the talking now i just tired <laughs> and 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 then and, and then i just went back at that point and i put i i, I look we'd had offers from everyone bar nick jenkins who came out because he's got a business that's similar and at that point, that's where I felt quite powerful. And I felt, right, the ball's in our court now. And actually, the Dragons have all made these offers, but not one of them has actually said what they're going to do for us. Mm. You know, they've all, they've all, they've all, not one of them has actually, they've just made offers to us because they want the business, but they've not told us what they're going to do for us. So I said to Matt, right, I say we go back to them and now say thank you for your offers. But what, you know, what are you going to bring to the table? Um, and that's that's when you know they started talking. Then we had an argument that you didn't see that on TV, but Deborah and Tuka had a massive argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, remember, I forgot about that. They were talking about loaning money, and you know, for us to really do well, they might need to loan a million pounds, and 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 you know. You know, they, they just had an argument about whether they'd charge us interest on the million pounds that they would loan us. And it was like Matt and I were just looking at each other in a way laughing because we couldn't believe, <laughs> they were, you know, that they were arguing over over this. And, and yeah, it was just it was it was an amazing experience. I mean, yeah. the, the, the funny thing is, Rob, the most important thing, like you said, how Peter coming in changed it all. I don't know why the BBC uh, changed the editing and, and made it look like Deborah was the first person to come yeah. in because, like I said, it was Peter. Peter even said, he said, this is, I think, the fastest investment I've ever done in the den. Yeah. Those are his yeah. words. And, and you know, and I, and I was amazed that, the dra- that, 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 that they didn't edit it that way because that would have made good TV as well, right? For people yeah. to know that Peter's never invest- invested as quick as that. He just wanted us straight away. It was like, it was tennis. It was a no brainer. He wasn't going to lose money. He, you know, it, it was costing him nothing in the end. It was like 25 grand, which was, he knew he was going to get his money back straight away. Uh, and then he, he went from 20% 
to 15% once we paid his money back. And, and you know, when, it, when he offered us that, at the time, if he would have stuck on 20, I don't think we'd have accepted it. And he knew that. He, he, and, and I think he even said, when we went back, to the fact that we'd made our final decision and he said he was sat on that chair and he wasn't certain that he'd got our business which was which meant matt and i played our cards very well really yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know he what because when they're certain you get an even worse deal right you know when they know they've got you, you've got a worse deal so um yeah that's that's that, that's how it happened we came out i remember matt's voice in the lift as we went in was he was like squealing he was like oh my god you know he's like <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious really hey i know that that night there's a heck of a lot of derbyshire tennis community celebrating as well because you guys absolutely part of that i mean at that point did you did your double act did it become the three amigos or was it still very much you two with occasional interventions but support from peter how's it worked since that day I think, to be honest, probably the, the bigger check game changer, which was just before that time, was actually bringing um, Josh on board into the business as well. Um, and I think from a Three Amigos perspective, that's probably a more uh, a, a more similar um, story. In terms of Peter, I, I think, you know, the, the benefits of Peter and the things that come with him are he's well known. Um, it's definitely a, the best dragon to have in terms of PR and, and people people knowing him you know he's, he's the most popular um i think the the downsides of that are the fact that he's the most well known and the most popular <laughs> um because you, you're going to get to see him and, and spend less time with him than you would maybe the others and we, we had we had our eyes completely wide open to that when we had our first meeting with with his um investment manager john john Eastaff, who who still sits on our board um and he, and he pretty much said that. He said, you know, guys, you're not, you're not going to see Peter too often, but he'll be there if you need him. There's things he can do to help. He will. Um, but it's not going to be a case if you're sitting down on a monthly basis chatting about strategy and stuff like that. So, you know, we've, we've had exactly what we thought we would have from, from Peter um, and are still able to use his, his name and images for marketing. And he still does our um, video once a year. Where it'll go out to promote to his, his audience and stuff like that. So, um yeah, definitely I, I i wouldn't say a three amigo scenario but it, it's been what we expected yeah and, and the other side of it is you know whenever you start a business you have an exit plan and peter i believe will be a big part of our exit plan so you know being involved with peter you know he'll be negotiating our exit plan with us as opposed to us doing it on our own and you know look he's sold lots of businesses so and, and that's what John made it quite clear to us that he said, you know, when you come to sell this business, he will get more than you ever will for it. And that's what that's where he's worth his weight in gold. And I totally believe that, too, because uh, obviously he's selling it not just for us. He's selling it for himself as well. Right. So isn't that amazing? You know, that just that whole experience and what it's brought. And yeah, I mean, you couldn't have anybody better in your camp when it when it comes down to that exit plan. Just incredible. Now, I've got, I've got to ask, though, is, is he a good tennis player, Mr Jones? I mean, he's, he's got the physique, hasn't he? He's got the passion. Is he, does it translate to on-court action? <laughs> OK, I'll, do, I'll jump in on that one. Um, so, I mean, we, truthfully, we didn't really know. Um, you know, I'd, I'd heard he was a good 
de- decent player. And we, when we did, when we got invited onto the follow-up show, the, the pitches to riches, um, which by the way, we're still working on the, the riches element, especially after the couple of years we've had. Um, <laughs> we seem to be quite good at the pitches. <laughs> um, <laughs> So no, we did we did the follow up show, um, and we did get to play with Peter, and he can hit a decent ball. Um, I think it was quite funny because again, he was surprised by us actually when we went down to play that we we were at, and we were both probably hitting a slightly better ball then than we are now as well, if I'm honest. Um, and he sort of walked us into into the net after hitting a few balls. We're like, oh, geez, you guys can actually play a bit, like. <laughs> Was taken taken aback. So, uh, but no, he 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 hits a decent ball, Rob. And you guys are modest about your tennis. If you've played, you know, county cup tennis to the standard that you guys have, boy oh boy, can you play? Could is the operative word <laughs> <laughs> for me. For me, anyway. Speak for yourself, Matty. Speak for yourself. <laughs> believe, I'm, believe. I'm still holding on and playing for the 35s team, Derbyshire 35s. But I think the younger boys are going to be pushing me out soon and. Rightly so, because, you know, if I'm still playing and I'm 50... He's still got... I mean, people can't see this, but he's still got that... He's still got the youth on his side in his face. Uh, I can see you being ID'd. You could be buying cherries in brandy for Christmas. I could see you getting ID'd, Steve. (laughs) Come on now, fellas. I know the business was flying. I remember hearing on, you know, when you returned to the, the Dragons when they did the video. I think you were employing over 50 coaches. It must have been incredible. Then COVID hit. I mean, what was what's the impact been? Yeah, I mean, I, we spoke very briefly before hitting the record button, Rob, and I, I said a few things. But yeah, it was we were on a, a real adventure leading up to COVID. I, 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 well, we as a team definitely felt we'd hit this what I keep calling a snowball point where we were getting so much repeat customers. We'd, we'd done an amazing job at evolving our program and evolving our products to, to such a point where so many people were coming back, like literally on the weeks when they come away, there, there is barely anyone that says they would not return. You know, it's that it's, it's really that good. Um, so that was great. We were then getting, they were going back telling more people. And, and obviously the more people we had coming on the holidays, the more people they were telling. And it was, it was really reaching this, this point of snowballing. And yeah, kind of, what was it? I remember going up to, we had a, we had a board meeting. I think it was actually end of, end of, end of March. Yeah. We had a board meeting up at um, Josh's house. And I said to Steve and Josh, I was like, well, actually the first thing actually was, we were doing a snowboarding trip out in Bansko and I was with Steve and I, I remember saying to him in, in the bar, joking in February, start of February saying, oh, bloody hell, do you think this COVID thing will be the, the thing that, that stuffs us up this year? Sort of joking. And then both of us, ah, oh, no, a bit of flu, you know, what, what's that going to be? And then, you know, a month and a half later, we're having discussions around how the business is going to survive and get through, you know? Um, oh, before that, just before that, Rob, um i had a phone call from um secretary of martin evans who was um one of the top guys in david lloyd leisure and um just said you know could you come and meet with martin and i sort of i've had quite a lot of meetings with david lloyd and obviously living in portugal now it's a lot harder to meet so i i um I sort of said, well, do you you know what it's about? And then I got a message to say, yeah, David Lloyd are interested in buying your business. Wow. 
So I was like, of course I'll meet. <laughs> so I, I um, went to see Martin. I saw him at um, David Lloyd Manchester, uh, the Trafford Park, Manchester. And yeah, I had a great meeting with him. And I said, of course, I'm interested. And um, I don't want to be out of the business, but if, if I could still be in it for a few more years and carry on, because I love it. Uh, and that's and then he said, right, we'll set up a meeting with um, our CEO, Glenn Erland. Um, and a few months later, we were there, Matt and I uh, had a meeting in the Harbour Club, Chelsea Harbour Club, uh, with Glenn Earlham. And it was a really productive meeting. And, and, and we were set, setting the seed for David Lloyd, we're going to invest and buy, buy us. Um, and yeah, and, and, and an opportunity to sell initially 50% of the business with, a, with an earn out for the final 50% based over the next three to five years we we did a we had a little uh, stand at the general managers uh, conference in alton towers so the general all the general managers could get to know what active away was yeah everything was looking fantastic and then covid hit so when when matt and i were in bansko you know literally we'd had this journey we'd had this journey and finally that week in bansko i was so on a high because Finally, we'd got somewhere. Finally, we were, you know, everything, all the jigsaw pieces had eventually come together and nothing was affecting us anymore. The ash cloud, the, the, the military coup, everything was there. And we got our dream, which is where we wanted to be, look like, you know, selling the business. And, and like I said, that, that, that didn't mean that we were exiting the business. That just meant that we would be selling and eventually working for David Lloyd and, and we have a choice to exit completely or carry on. And that's what it looked like. And yeah. And then naively, I guess, in Bansko, I had no idea how COVID was going to affect. You wouldn't. And, you, wouldn't. Uh, and you know, like Ronan Keaton, life is a roller coaster. Yeah. And you know, when I like have down moments, I play that song because it makes me up again. Yeah. But I also think from that highest high of what you've achieved what, and what you've achieved is brilliant. Unbelievable what you guys have achieved from the highest high of that Alton Towers meeting to the lowest low yeah. that is that is COVID hitting and that all unraveling. I, I mean, how have you managed to deal with that psychologically? How have you managed to fight back again? I think fight's the operative word, though. To be honest, I think it, we had probably a, a week, a week of of panic rather than fight, and then literally did go into to fight mode. And if I'm honest, that we we've been in fight mode probably up until September, just just gone. You know, it was a year and a half of digging your heels in, going, "No, I'm not. I'm not accepting this." Let's get on the phone. Let's speak to everyone. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna survive this. Um, and it really was survival mode. It was like it was picking up the phone, pretty much begging people not to cancel and allow us to to roll their their funds going through. Which, you know, luckily, say luckily, we we've we built a really really loyal following of our of our clients. They're amazing, and they, and they were so supportive and stuck with us through through this. And we had we not had that. We wouldn't be here, but also had we not made the decision to get on the phone and fight and dig our heels in and not not just roll over, then we wouldn't have done that. And it's yeah, I think that's the that that was a nice thing about you know the difference between being on your own and being part of a team is you you have got other people to 
to bounce that off and work with in that. And it would have been a lot harder on your own just to keep fighting because it, it has been a 18 month and, and st- you know, still is a fight now. Do you know, it's like coming back to another song. The song that I'm now thinking of is the Rocky theme, you know, <laughs> and you, you fought back fellas. You've got to keep fighting that good fight because I, you know, let's just hope that, that roller coaster, it's on its way back up, even though we're still going to have some rocky moments, huh? Look, Rocky One was Rocky One was the Ash Cloud. Rocky Two was, <laughs> you know, and so on. And, and you know what? There's going to be some more. We're not. I'm not. I'm not naive now to think that that business is just going to be smooth going the whole way. We're still going to have some more. Dare I say it? We met. We met our biggest challenge. And uh, you know, I love boxing, by the way. So. Uh, I feel like we've done what Tyson Fury did in in his um, first bout against uh, in his first bout against uh, Deontay Wilder, where we literally were knocked out in the twelfth round, and we were lying there like him, pretty much cold out, and 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 we got back up, and we fought, and we went on. Okay, he got a draw. Some people think he should have won the fight, and we won the fight. And, and that's what we've done. That is literally what we've done, exactly that. And, and that's due to all of us, Matt, Matt, Josh and myself, digging in and every day talking to each other. Every day, some different news comes out, some different, something changes. And, oh, my God, I, I have to say, like, Matt has worked tirelessly changing people's bookings speaking to people some people have changed five times five times and 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 uh, the best thing for me is listening to clients the what we you know not every client was the same we had some very wealthy clients that were no i want my money back no i want my money back which was a real shock actually you know and hurt because these are people that you know you've got to know and they've been on they've been on holidays with you and you think you know them yes they're clients but there's you still think you've almost getting to be friends with these people but that shocked me but then the majority of clients and the amount of clients that said to me Rob that I called and Matt I know and I I put the phone down and thought sort of really like felt emotional they said that before when when I'd mentioned the four options that they have they said to me I'm not even thinking of a refund I want you guys to survive. That, that I do. I don't. That I wouldn't even dream of having my money back. Because I do. You know why? Because I want to go on your holidays, and I don't. And if you didn't survive, I'd be missing out on what I enjoy. And the amount of people that did that, and then just made you feel special. Yeah, it did. It really did. Because you know we've got like in these times, people worry, don't they? Even though everyone would have got their money back if we if we went under every single person would have got all their money back anyway yeah. through the atoll scheme. They would have all got their money back. It w- wasn't like it's lost. They might have had to wait six months for it, but they would have got their money. Um, but these people don't really know that. Yeah. So for them to then say, look, I don't want to have my money back was a massive, look, they held us together. I've got to say a massive thank you yeah, to yeah. all clients for that. You know, it's the ultimate testimonial though, fellas. Firstly, to yourselves, that you made those phone calls, that you weren't sending emails like so many people did. You know, we had a, an operator cancel our holiday by email. Um, that was it. That was the end of it. You know, it was like the fact that you've made that personal touch, the fact that the clients responded 
the vast majority in the way that they did is the ultimate testimonial to you guys. And if you are listening to this and you are a tennis player or you are a tennis coach looking to get a group of players out, have a look at the Active Away website, guys. Have a look at it and see if you can help this Rocky-like comeback go to some sort of like dramatic surge back up. Like when they had Rocky Four and they'd knock that big fella out, help that comeback, get on that Active Away website and get these guys back on the back off the I mean back off the ropes. I know you already are, guys, but here's to like winning some world championships, eh? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Come on. Come on, fellas. I can't thank you enough for your time. It's been amazing to hear all about just the incredible highs and then the incredible challenges. It's been amazing to hear how you've come out the other side and you're still standing and uh, what a journey you've had. And here's to some really exciting chapters ahead. I'll make sure I put all the links onto Active Away, you know, wherever I can on the podcast and on the website, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, let's hope you get, you get some visits coming through it. Before we finish though, fellas, I've got to ask you because it's a question we ask everyone. If you could go for a drink with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Mr. Matt first, who would you go for? Um, I mean, I'd love to say say Fed. Fed's my absolute idol, but um, I'm going to go for a non-tennis one. I'm actually going to go for a boxing one. It would be Muhammad Ali. Um, I think he lived, just lived an incredible life. Again, ups and downs, highs and lows, literal fighting. Think, yeah, that would be an incredible person to uh, go and uh, go and meet up with and have a drink with. Wouldn't it just? Wouldn't it just? He'd be brilliant. And who's who's joining Muhammad Ali and Matt? Steve, who's making up the four? Well, I think it'd be Tyson Fury. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his trilogy that he's just had is our story. It's literally. Well, I hope it's our story actually because we're not out of it yet. We're we're now in the third. The, the third fight against Deontay Wilder, basically. That's how I would look at Active Way right now. And, and we're in a really good place. We're looking good. Uh, yeah, I guess Tyson Fury. Yeah, he's, he's, an, he's an inspiration. What a party. What a party. You two are full <laughs> of life. And then you got those pair. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> Guys, it has been so good to chat. Thank you so, so much for your time. Um, can't wait to hear about the adventures. It sounds like it's... Uh, Exciting times ahead and long may they last. Cheers, Rob. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Cheers, mate. That's all for today, but thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed that, please do hit the subscribe or follow button so you keep up to date with new episodes. And we look forward to welcoming you back to my tennis journey very soon.